hello everyone and welcome to It's All Kinda Fuzzy, the podcast where we discuss the most unsettling, unsolved crimes, speculate wildly, and cope by drinking all the wine we can get our hands on. I'm Ariana. And my name is Alexandra. And we're here, episode three. Yeah. (laughs) So for everyone who's still with us, thank you guys once again. You're all amazing. Um, (laughs) And if you're listening, please make sure to follow us on social media. At IAKF Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And then our Facebook is just our name. Mm -hmm. Uh, Email us with your theories, uh, story suggestions, or wine suggestions. Yeah, wine suggestions are important. (laughs) Or even just comments. Yeah. Concerns. (laughs) (laughs) No, maybe not those yet. Not concerns. (laughs) Be nice to us. Yeah. Um, and that the- is, it's all kind of fuzzy at gmail.com. Yeah. So all right. feel free. We're, we're welcoming all of you to talk with us <laughs> and speculate we with us. We want to meet you. <laughs> Figuratively. <laughs> no, in real life. <laughs> Come to our house. May- the address is <laughs> 42 Wallaby Way, Sydney. <laughs> all um, right. Okay. So you're going first this week, right? Yeah, but I wanted to talk about the wine first that I bought. Yeah, let's talk for about us. the wine. I decided We're to both go... drinking the same wine today. Yes, I decided to go very refined this week <laughs> with a nice Franzia boxed white Zinfandel. <laughs> That's where it's at. <laughs> it's, it's cheap and you get a lot of it. That's like yep. my name. That's calling my name right there. <laughs> 13 bucks for 20 glasses. Mm-hmm. I like it. Or like 10 glasses in our terms. In our world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where we fill the glasses to the brim. Uh-huh. All right. I guess I am going first. Okay, I'm excited. Let's hear it. (laughs) You should be. This one, um, it's pretty different from anything I've done previously Mm -hmm. in the last two episodes. But um, it's the story of the Eastall woman, which is uh, Norway's most famous unsolved crime. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I listened to a really beautifully done podcast on it called Death in Ice Valley Mm -hmm. by the BBC World Service at NRK. So if any of you want more information on this because there's only so much I can fit in I would really recommend that podcast it's wait so it's an entire podcast dedicated to this case yep it's 10 episodes the NRK was able to convince the uh, Norwegian police to reopen this case last year oh wow yep and this podcast came out in May of 2018 Mm -hmm. so it's very new (laughs) there have been a lot of really new developments in this so cool yeah it's really interesting (laughs) Here we go. <clears throat> On November 29th, 1970, a man hiking with his two daughters in the Isdalen Valley near Bergen, Norway, came across a body wedged between the rocks. The body appeared to be severely burned and had its arms in like a boxer position. What and that's heck? that's pretty typical of burn victims. When yeah. When they're severe, like their muscles just kind of contract that way oh, when okay. they're burned. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, these, this poor man and his two small daughters. <laughs> yeah, those poor girls. Yeah, have to you know, hike all the way back and call the police. What month was this? November. Okay, so was it, it was snowy, I'm assuming? Um, maybe. Yeah, I guess it <laughs> could have been. I don't know. The pictures I'm just trying to it. set the scene for myself. <laughs> Let's set the scene. It was a beautiful day. No. 42 <laughs> degrees. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. In the pictures, it didn't look like there was snow. So okay. I don't think it had snowed recently. Mm-hmm. A police lawyer present on the scene that day, his name is Carl Ost, he Mm -hmm. recalls a strong stench of burning human flesh. Ugh. But the scene was cold already. Yeah. So, she had been burned. I don't know. Nobody knows how long, but, like, Mm -hmm. not that long. Yeah. But she was cold. 
So she was so badly burnt across the front of her body that they couldn't tell who she was, uh, but her back was totally untouched. So, like, the entire front of her was burned, but her back side was totally mm -hmm. fine. Yep, so Carl, I'm going to call him Carl because I want to. All right. I like his name. Carl. (laughs) He says that it appears that she had thrown herself back from a fire. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it had an explosion or something. That's mm-hmm. what it looked like. Yeah, him. yeah. And the fact that she had... Try not to throw your glass across <laughs> yep. the room. My bad. <laughs> that so, would be alcohol abuse. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, she had... Yeah, because the fact that the back wasn't burned, but the whole front was burned so badly that she couldn't be recognized was just strange oh, to okay. them. Um, at the scene, investigators find jewelry, a watch, a broken umbrella, two water bottles, and an empty bottle of St. Halvard liquor. All of the labels on these products had been removed. That's weird. Yeah. Uh, Tormod Bones, it has some of the weird, like, slashes through the O's and stuff uh, okay. that Norwegian has, so I have no idea how to pronounce it. <laughs> we'll go with it. But it's spelled like bones. Alright. <laughs> uh... He said that the placement of her jewelry was really odd. How so? Because it was placed beside her, not on her. Oh. So he said it almost looked like a ceremony. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Weird. So it was all placed, like, on the rock next to her. Okay. Which, I guess, seems ceremonious, but mm-hmm. I, it depends on, I guess, the context of her death. Yeah. If it's weird or not. But, yeah. The woman also was found wearing rubber boots, like, uh, rain boots. Uh-huh. That were, I mean, melted, par- partially melted. Yeah. Some nylons, a scarf, and under her body was a hat that had traces of petrol. And in her system was found, she was found with 50 phenobarbital sleeping pills. Oh my gosh. What happened to this poor girl? <laughs> Jeez. I know. I know. It gets real juicy. Ooh. So, onto this valley, it's it's kind of odd to me that a father and his two young daughters <laughs> found them, mm-hmm. because the Isdalen Valley is known as Death Valley. Oh. <laughs> because there are quite a few recorded suicides from the medieval times mm-hmm. that happened there, and several hikers fell to their deaths in the 1960s. Wait, so this is, like, a really intense trail, then? <laughs> it's not even a hiking trail, really. What was he doing up there? I don't know. With his daughters? I don't know. It's very remote. It takes a long time to get to. That's so strange. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Was he <clears throat> actually there with his daughters, though? You n- Nobody looked into him, but maybe they should They have. fucking should. <laughs> yeah, because, again, that's not a, it's not a hiking trail at all. So I don't know why. Huh. Or why, how she ended up there. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of, peop- they kind of just, they're like, okay, I, I don't know what to do. Yeah. They take her back to the lab, you know, for testing and stuff. They get fingerprints. She still has fingerprints despite being burned. Uh-huh. Um, but they can't, like, does she even have a face at this no. point? No face. Okay. She is unidentified to this day. Ugh. So three days later, they have a break in the case. Investigators find two suitcases at a local train station. Mm-hmm. In the store, like, you can check your bags there, I guess. I don't know much about trains. <laughs> yeah, I've never really taken one. Yeah. But you can, I guess. So, inside, there's quite a bit of stuff. In the bags? In the bags. Okay. Lots of stuff. 
Wait, they just found them sitting by a train or, like, in no, a train like, station? No, like, they were checked. And, like, I guess you can check your bags uh-huh. in a train station. Oh, okay. And so and what, they were just, like... for you? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, inside this, or these two suitcases, they find a pair of prescription-free glasses with a perfect fingerprint. And that fingerprint... On the glass? Yep. Oh. Belongs to the woman. So it effectively ties the suitcase to her. Right. Um, inside this suitcase are clothes, several wigs, German and Norwegian money, as well as British, Belgian, and Swiss coins, a comb and hairbrush, cosmetics, a tube of eczema cream with a prescription label pulled off, a strange code, like a paper with a code on it. Oh, okay. And a plastic bag. Just an empty plastic bag? Yes, but the plastic bag is important. <laughs> okay, there's a plastic bag. Got so it. they try to identify the makeup in the bag mm-hmm. by, you know, calling around to department stores and seeing if they'd seen this woman, if they recognized, like, the packaging without the label, right. but they were unsuccessful with that. So, but the plastic bag, it turned out to have been from, here we go, Norwegian. <laughs> you got this. Oscar Rorvet footwear store <laughs> all right i've been there yeah in stavanger which is in south or southern norway mm-hmm. i love stavanger i think it sounds really cool that's that is a cool name stavanger yeah. yeah so they go to this store in stavanger mm-hmm. and the store owner's son recalled selling the rubber boots to a well-dressed attractive woman who oddly enough smelled of garlic garlic <laughs> What? Yeah. Like, just, not her breath, just she just smelled like in garlic. in general, she smelled like garlic. <laughs> Maybe she thought that was, like, appealing to people. I like the smell of garlic. I mean, me in too. In the kitchen. But not on a person. No, no. Mostly in the kitchen. That's true. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna pour wine real fast. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like you're peeing. <laughs> Maybe I am. <laughs> These people don't know what I'm doing. They can't see me. <laughs> She's just, Alexandra's peeing in the corner right now. Hang on. <laughs> Don't have time to go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh. He says he remembers her because she took a long time to pick out her boots. Like, an excessively long time to pick out mm-hmm. these boots. So, like, me at the store. Oh, yeah. Exactly <laughs> like you at the store. This is why I don't go shopping with you. You I want to make sure I don't regret my decision, okay? If I'm going to spend a lot of money. You have to inspect every little thing, every single time. It's irritating. (laughs) I relate to her, then. I get it. I don't smell like garlic, but I get the other part. But he also recalled that she spoke English with an accent. Okay. So, using this information, police trace her to... (laughs) Again. (laughs) Again, I should just, like, cut out all of the names, but I wanted to be authentic, uh, to the St. Svithun Hotel. All right. It's spelled S-V-I-T-H-U-N. Svithun. Svithun. Yeah. At this hotel, she checked in as Fenella Lorch, which I've never heard the name Fenella before, but I kind of like it. It's it's kind of pretty. I would not name my child it, but I don't, I don't It's not bad. Yeah. But Fenella Lorch was not her real name. Mm Mm-hmm. They find that she had stayed in several hotels in Norway, from Oslo to Bergen to Stavanger, um, all under different names with different passports. Wow. Okay. She had 
eight identities in total. Seven. Oh my gosh. I think she had eight, but I only have seven here. Oops. That's crazy. <laughs> so, Fenella Lorch, Genevieve Lantier, Claudia Tielt, Claudia Nielsen, Alexia Zarn Marches, <laughs> Vera Yarl, and Elizabeth. This is like all consonants. <laughs> <laughs> Lean Haufer. Um. Lean Haufer. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's a weird word. Okay. <laughs> sure. It's like all consonants at the end. <laughs> so, yeah, she had these eight identities. That's they a had lot of no work. No idea why. It's a lot of work. She had, and she ha- had the. Um, she had the passports to back them up. It wasn't like, she was just like, oh, this is my name now. Yeah. She had the passports. So what, was she just like wearing a different wig in each of the passports or what? Maybe, I don't know. Probably. Wouldn't she have had to go to like, you? I mean, she couldn't have gotten the passports all in one place, obviously. Let's just keep going. That was mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean. I just don't want to like get ahead of myself. <laughs> But you're going to explain that? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, people, a lot of people remember her. In the podcast, they interviewed all these people who remember seeing her, who were working at the hotel. Mm-hmm. Like she was identifiable and rememberable to this day. Uh-huh. And that was, what, 48 years ago. But they described her as elegant, self-assured, and serious. She spoke some German and broken English. Okay. But honestly, if she's trying to conceal her identity, like, how hard is it to pretend you don't speak a language? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So, after the, sco- the discovery of the hotel stays, police are able to crack the code that they found. Because oh. it was a bunch of numbers and, like, a couple letters, mm-hmm. and I didn't write down the whole code. But it was it regarded to where she was staying and when she was staying there. Uh, okay. So, it could have been just shorthand for herself, or yeah. maybe she didn't want someone to know where she was staying and when she was staying there. But right. It was probably just shorthand to keep track. Uh-huh. So. Um, and most of her birth dates, given on her card, were placed, she placed her between 25 and 30 years old. Okay. So they, for a while they thought because she was giving these similar birth dates, mm-hmm. that it must be around her real birth date. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. But. Um, question. Hmm. So, w- when she stayed in these hotels, was it, like, all around the same time, or was this, like, throughout, like, year, like, over years? This was within, like, a few months. Oh, okay. So, she went to Norway in, like, May, mm-hmm. and I think stayed in a few hotels then, and then between October and November was, like, all of this movement. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And at these hotels, they said she would move rooms frequently within the hotel. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so she was a shifty character. Yeah, sounds like it. So we'll move kind of on to the autopsy because mm. it kind of leads into some interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. So in this autopsy, they determined that she had never been pregnant and never had children. Okay. They found a bruise on her neck, which they decided was either the result of a blow or a fall. But how do you bruise your neck falling? I guess if you fell... hard to land on your neck. <laughs> I get. I don't know. know. Weird. At a weird angle. Yeah, if, I guess I if she know. fell onto the rock and cut off. Yeah, it. it's possible, but... Yeah, it's a weird place to get a bruise, yeah. I think. Uh, there were smoke particles and high carbon monoxide levels in her blood, which suggests suggest she was alive when she was burned. Mm-hmm. Pleasant, pleasant way to go. Ugh. 
this is kind of interesting. It was determined that the high volume of sleeping pills had not been absorbed into the blood. But the manner of death was determined to be carbon monoxide poisoning Mm -hmm. and overdose. So how do you overdose if it's not in your bloodstream? Yeah. Is my question. So what, does that mean that she, like, got carbon monoxide poisoning and basically died and then the pills were put in her body? No. Because it... Well, if they weren't absorbed by the blood, like, I mean, how long does that take? I don't know. Pills take about 15 to 30 minutes. Yeah, so that's not long at all. And no, the fact but that they weren't she, absorbed yet, like, that's weird. That's true, but if she had just taken them and, not, and then got burned, I think it makes sense. Yeah. I guess that could, yeah, that could be it, too. But yeah. it's just, it's kind of weird that just, like, all of that happened at once. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Either way, it's yeah. odd. Well, and then the cause of death was determined to be a suicide. Mm-hmm. But no one, pretty much no one on the invest- investigation team believes that. No. Like, the fact that it was just, the front of her was burned. Like, if she was all burned, like, I guess she could have, like, thrown herself into a fire or something. <laughs> I don't really know how that would work, but, yeah. like. And there the- was, there was petrol found at the scene, mm-hmm. so it seems intentional. Yeah. And if you're gonna kill yourself, just take the pills. Yeah, the pills definitely would have been enough. <laughs> 50 of them? Yeah, yeah it's a, that's... It's, they say, you know, I don't think, obviously, the overdose didn't kill her if it wasn't absorbed in her bloodstream. Yeah. But it would have. Uh, yeah. It <laughs> straight up would have. would have hit eventually. So, hmm. yeah, there, I mean, yeah, there are theories about that. So, she was buried without her identification in February of 1971. She's given a Catholic funeral. So, nobody... Ever reported somebody that they knew missing then? No. Okay. That's really sad. Yeah. She actually. Was, I know. She was buried in a zinc coffin, mm-hmm. and it won't just, or decompose, because they hope someday someone will claim will claim her. Uh-huh. So, they're, they're like, let's not let her decompose just yet. Right. But I don't think anyone's ever going to claim her, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you what. Because this happened, what, in 1970s? So? Yeah. Yeah, so. That's the year my dad ago. was born. Yeah. <laughs> so that was 48 years ago. I mean, yeah, ago. if it hasn't happened yet, then I, I don't, feel like it's they wanted. To. I know they wanted to compare her DNA to, like, like 23 and Me. Oh, yeah. And then Ancestry, but, mm-hmm. well, they can do that in the U.S., and that's how they found the Golden State Killer. Mm-hmm. The laws around that in Europe are a lot stricter. Okay. So they can't. I wish they could. Yeah. Dang it. <laughs> Yeah. So, we'll get to some science behind the attempts of identifying her. It's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Some forensic odontology Mm -hmm. and isotope analysis. There we go. Stuff I don't know what that means. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, forensic odontology is the study of teeth to identify a body. Oh, okay. So, they look at dentistry you've had, Mm -hmm. and they compare it with dental records. Okay, that makes sense. So, odontologists, they go into, like, they can do, like, they do individual cases, too, mm-hmm. but a lot of times they'll go to, like, high d- disaster areas uh-huh. to identify all those bodies, which okay. just sounds absolutely horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Not a job I want to have. No, no thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this forensic odontologist, I really like his name. Mm-hmm. It is Professor Giselle Bang. Giselle Bang. <laughs> yeah. I like it. <laughs> I really like it. Uh, he studied these teeth. They were very distinctive uh-huh. for her age. She had a lot of work done. Colby, I will show you this picture because I know you want to see. <laughs> I want to see too. And I'll show you too. Excuse me. 
Whoa. Yeah. That's, she that has is a lot of work. A lot of work done. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And wow. very kind of odd work. Like, there's metal behind her front teeth. and Yeah, behind the front teeth mm-hmm. is weird for sure. Yeah, and gold crowns, a lot of gold work, which it's not common. It wasn't common for Nor- Norway at the time. Uh-huh. So they said, like, it must be traced somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So I guess... The, at the time, the t- like, when she was a child, when they assumed she was a child, uh-huh. it was common in, like, middle Europe, and I think Eastern Europe, and then South America. Mm-hmm. So, they're like, okay, well, I guess that's a start. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, because it's not funny that Bang, Professor Bang dies, but he does. Oh, no. Yeah, but after his death, it's rumored that the teeth were thrown out because they smelled. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but they were i mean <laughs> they what didn't the get, heck yeah they didn't get thrown out i don't know where that like rumor came from that they smelled but yeah wait so they didn't get thrown out no because in 2017 whenever the nrk journalists decided to make inquiries uh-huh. and reopen this case the teeth were found at haukland university hospital mm-hmm. in norway in the forensic archives Weird. Along with tissue samples of her. Like, her whole, all her stuff was, like, there. Yeah. I don't know how it got there. There's no record of how it got there. No. But it, it's there. So, with this new discovery, they, and we have new technology now, so mm-hmm. they did isotope analysis, which uses the isotopes in the teeth formed by the water we drink mm-hmm. to identify where a person comes from. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So, they just... They discovered that she was most likely from the Nuremberg area of Germany. Okay. And then moved to the French-German border at a young age. And not only did they discover that, but they discovered that she is not 25 to 30. She was 40 years old. How do they know that? Because of the isotopes. Oh. Yeah. And she was born in around 1930. Hmm. So this created a theory that she was Jewish. Mm Mm-hmm. Because she was growing up in Nuremberg around the time of the rise of Hitler. Yeah, yeah. And she moved, when she was young, to the French-German border, which is where a lot of young people moved when they were running from him. Right. So, yeah. I huh. I don't really think that the Catholic burial was appropriate for her, but they did the best I mean, they could yeah, at the time. <laughs> at the time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dang, that's crazy. Yeah. So, now we have a few theories. Mm-hmm. about her identity i'm ready for these yes so the first and it's probably the biggest theory about who she is and what she was doing is that she was a spy Hmm. okay i was kind of surprised you didn't kind of hook on to that earlier i really didn't (laughs) no i never really consider that honestly (laughs) because she had you know she had all those identities all those passports she had to get them from somewhere yeah uh, she had a ton, like, all this money to be buying these really nice clothes and staying at all these hotels. She was clearly trying not to be found. Yeah. It's kind of spy behavior. <laughs> right. the, the police but call it conspiracy. Uh, they don't know. Huh. So, I guess the Russians and the Mossad spies of Israel mm-hmm. were known for being around that area very mm-hmm. shortly after her death. And there was something called Project Penguin uh-huh. going on in Norway at the time, and it was bomb testing. Okay. And she was seen kind of hanging hanging around there. Right. The bomb testing sites. Huh. So, 
The only thing with that is she, a lot of people remember her, and I feel like spies are more trained to kind of fly under the Not radar. remembered, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, but what do they think happened to her, though? Well, that she was killed by a fellow spy, or that she killed herself to keep them from getting information. There's a theory that she took the pills to kind of numb her and then set herself on fire to get rid of any identifying features. My biggest thing, though, is, like, how was she... How was only the front half of her body, on like, burned? Some think that it was an accident. Mm-hmm. That she... I, someone's, somewhere it says that there was a bottle of hairspray. I didn't find that anywhere. Uh-huh. But some of the cops say that there was a bottle of hairspray that she may have... She may have taken these pills and then clumsily dropped the hairspray into this fire that she had built and uh-huh. there was like an explosion okay. and that's why and it blew her back and maybe off the cliff right and that's why only the front of her was burned uh-huh. but I feel so like, even then i mean she would have been like suicidal if she took the pills in the first place yeah but. it's possible or she knew someone should, someone was coming after her yeah and decided to take those pills mm-hmm. so the spy theory i think is intriguing yeah that is and the fact that, and she had, like, they found her staying, like, her hotel stays in France, too. Mm-hmm. So she's not just doing this in Norway, she's doing this everywhere. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And the interesting thing about that is, uh, there was, I was watching the BuzzFeed Unsolved postmortem. Yeah. And someone wrote it, and they're like, maybe the woman they found wasn't actually, like, the spy, and she killed someone. Oh, and made shit. It, yeah. That's to fake crazy. her death. Yeah. Damn. I was like, woo. <laughs> that's, whoa, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I was like, that's pretty wild. <laughs> that would be, yeah, super crazy. The only problem with that is they found the fingerprint, on, like, on, like yeah. the body's fingerprint yeah, and matched true. it to the suitcase. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess she could have planted it. That was a perfectly if placed she, fingerprint. Yeah, if she was a good enough spy. Yeah. For sure, but. Yeah. Huh, that's an interesting theory. Yeah. I like that, actually. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so, this poor woman who she murdered. Or maybe it was another spy, or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Another really popular theory is that she was a sex worker. Mm-hmm. Um, when they found out she was faking her age as being younger, that why would she do that? Yeah. And the only reason really why to fake your age is to make yourself seem more attractive. Yeah. So it's possible that she was doing that, because mm-hmm. she was a sex worker. There's not a whole lot of evidence involved in that. It's entirely possible. Some believe she was running from domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. Again, possible seems a little extreme to me. Yeah. So do they think that, like, whoever was abusing her caught up to her mm-hmm. and killed her? Yeah. Okay. That's kind of the running theory on that. Uh-huh. And then the other one is that she was some other kind of criminal. Yeah. In some other kind of criminal enterprise. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I honestly think the most compelling one is that she was a spy. Yeah, that is a really interesting one to think about. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, the fact that she had, like, eight different passports and identities, that's insane. Yeah, and, like, giving different names to a hotel is one thing, but when you have the documentation to back it up, that's some serious effort. Oh, yeah. Being put in. No, for sure. Like, I hated going to get... Oh, one passport, one. let alone eight. Fuck that. <laughs> one passport's enough work. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. And then all those passports, I think she claimed to be Belgian. Yeah. Huh. Oh, sorry. I need a drink. <laughs> yeah, but all three of the, or 
all four of those theories mm-hmm. can be explained by either murder, suicide, or accident. Yeah, that's true. There's really no, like, one... Like, if, the, if she was this and this happened to her, but... Mm-hmm. I don't think it was suicide. What a horrible way to go. Like, why not just fall asleep instead of killing yourself in what's generally described as the worst possible way to die? Yeah. Well, and but and that's the thing. Like, if she already took the pills, like, just wait it out. Yeah. <laughs> don't fucking set yourself on fire <laughs> afterwards. Like, yeah. that's just overkill. So, again, unless unless she was doing it to conceal her identity. Yeah. If she were a spy, you know. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. And then, but it's like, if someone murdered her, how did the pills get there? I mean, how hard is it to make someone take pills? Just hold a gun to them and be like, take these pills. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. I'd rather fall asleep than get shot in the head. Yep, that's true. But yeah. I kind of bet that someone was catching up to her, and so she took the pills, and they did catch up to her. Right. Set her on fire. Yeah. So, a little bit column A, column B. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's the most likely, too. Yeah. I do like that she killed someone else to conceal her identity. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that would be, like, you'd be, like, a really good spy. If you were Real good spy. To, like, Some James Bond all of shit. That. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, who's going to think? I mean, obviously, nobody thought of that at that point. Except this one chick on BuzzFeed Unsolved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love BuzzFeed Unsolved. Me too. You guys are the best. <laughs> you help us out to this, a lot. But <laughs> we'll email you. Listen yeah. To us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was good though. I think that's like super creepy though. That just like they never like yeah. really found out they who she m- was. We have no idea who she is. They have no idea how she died. It's it's a layered mystery. Yeah. It's a nice layer cake mystery. Uh huh. <laughs> and like obviously she was someone who didn't have a lot of attachments with people because yeah. like nobody. Put out, like, a missing persons ad or anything like that, so. Yeah. Damn, that's crazy. That was a good case. Thanks. Yeah. It's very layered, so if you guys, I know I skimmed over so much important info, so if you guys want more info, go listen to Death in Ice Valley. It's really good. They pronounce Norwegian a lot better than me. (laughs) (laughs) You did a a pretty good job. (laughs) Um, Also, if... If the girl who's the spy is still out there, contact us and uh, just let us know you're okay. <laughs> let us know what's going on. We won't tell. We promise. No. We're just really curious. Um, okay. Are you ready? I'm super ready. I'm really excited for this case. I was really intrigued by this. So this is the case of Bobby Dunbar. Okay. And I'm really excited because you don't know who this is. I know. <laughs> so this is all new information to you. <laughs> So, Bobby Dunbar was born in, this is an old case, so he was born in 1908. Oh, damn. Yeah. Really? <laughs> so, very old. In <laughs> Opelousas, I think. I might be butchering that. I'm sorry if I am, but when I think When I printed that out for you, I read that part, and I was like... <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, it's spelled weird, but I think it's Opelousas, Louisiana. Appaloosas. Yeah, Appaloosas. <laughs> and he is basically known as the American boy who was lost and then found. He was found? He was found, okay. And that makes it seem like it's not, that it is solved, but it's not. All right. <laughs> Just wait. Just wait. It gets crazy. So. I'm pumped. His father was Percy Dunbar and mm-hmm. his mother, Lessie Dunbar. And he also had a younger brother named Alonzo Dunbar. Okay. So that was their little family. Oh. And that's really the only background that I have on him. I mean, he was only four years old when he disappeared. Oh, he was four? So he was super young. Oh. Yeah. 
So, in August of 1912, um, once again, he was four years old at the time, the Dunbars and some of their extended family and friends went to Swayze Lake in St. Landry Parish, Louisiana, for a short end-of-the-summer fishing trip. So, there was 11 of them total that were there. And then on August 23rd of 1912, so when they were on the trip, Percy Dunbar, the father, left for work, and some of the younger adults and children... they were on this trip, but Percy went to work? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't very far from, like, the town that they lived in, and so he still had to work. So he left for work that morning, and then some of the younger adults and children, including Bobby, walked to the lake to fish and just kind of play around with each other. And after a little while, they decided to walk back to where the rest of their family was. And immediately upon arrival, they noticed that Bobby was no longer with them. So they, there was like a, I mean, there was a whole group of them that went to the lake. And so they, when they walked back, like there was still a group of them and they just kind of assumed that Bobby was following behind them. And of course, when they got back, they realized he wasn't there. Watch your kids. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Especially the adults in that situation. Yeah. Like, come on. He's four. He goes in front. Yeah. Or holds a hand. Or exactly. <laughs> so they yelled for Bobby, and they quickly ran back through the woods and to the lake, but they still didn't hear from him, or they didn't see him, and they just didn't... They had no idea where he could have gone. Because, I mean, this trail wasn't that far away. Like, the lake wasn't that far away from where they were actually staying, and so they just, like, they had no idea what had happened to him. So, Lessie, who was the mom, of course, was, like, super frantic, and she was terrified. She thought that they lost her son, and Percy, the dad, got home from work shortly after they realized that Bobby was missing, and so he and a few other men that were on the trip as well searched for, like, hours on end looking for his son, and so when they didn't find him, they notified authorities about the boy's disappearance, and they got a team of over 500 men to search around the lake. That's even bigger than the Jameson family. <laughs> I know. So that's, <laughs> yeah, that's so many people. And yeah, they still, they never found him. They didn't find a trace of him, like nothing. And so they searched the lake itself because, of course, they thought, you know, there was a possibility of him drowning in the lake. Mm, poor baby. Yeah. So they went to pretty extreme measures as well to like search through this lake. So. They used dynamite to blast water out of the lake. Oh. Um, because, you know, if you throw the dynamite in, the water is going to, like, kind of rise up around the dynamite. So it'll, like, reveal the bottom of the lake. So, I mean, obviously, if he's at the bottom of the lake. Does it not fill back in? It does, but, like, for a short period, what, like, when it explodes, oh. they can see the bottom of the lake. But there's it. dust. <laughs> I feel like it'd I guess, be real hard to see that. I guess that's true, but I think, you know, if there was a body, it would probably, like, rise up out uh, of the explosion. For, just, like, a body flying through the air. Uh, that would be insane. <laughs> like, obviously, if you're, you know, on the bottom of the lake, you're dead anyway, but, like, they just wanted to see, you okay. know, they wanted to make sure that he okay. wasn't there or if he was there. I'll allow it. So, yeah, they used that. And then um, they lived in Louisiana, so, you know, there's a lot of alligators as well. So they kind of mm-hmm. thought, you know, maybe an alligator caught him. Mm-hmm. And so they, like, literally got, like, took the alligators out of the lake and, like, slit them open. Aww. And, like, saw if they could... Upsets me deeply. 
Yeah, which is, yeah, it's kind of sad. <laughs> well, it's but, like when people take sharks out of the ocean and cut them yeah. open because one person got attacked. Mm-hmm. Like, go to hell, stop doing that. Yeah, so, but they did that, and once they, like, they just wanted to see if, you know, there were any remains in the body of the alligator, and they found nothing. And so, another thing to note is that when he disappeared, he was wearing a straw hat with a broken string on it, mm-hmm. and... They assumed that if he had fallen into the lake or, you know, even, like, gotten, got taken by an alligator, the hat would have fallen off, like, into the water, and it would have floated. Right. And they, like, and they even did tests about it. Like, they literally, like, made a hat exactly like the one he was wearing and, like, cut the string and put it on the lake and, like, saw how long it could float. And it it floated for hours until it, like, finally sank. And they had obviously gotten back to the lake, like, within minutes of noticing that he was gone. Mm -hmm. So... It's kind of unlikely in a way that he did fall into the lake. But Doesn't he, just, he come back? <laughs> just wait. Just wait. It feels unlikely that he would have fallen into the lake because he came back. Well, somebody came back. Ew. <laughs> it's not Fuck. like it's not creepy. It's just it's odd. <laughs> okay. So, anyway, yeah, they did the hat test and they were like, well, if he did like drown, his hat probably would have been floating on the water. So, at this point in time, like, after they had done all of that, like, you know, cutting open the alligators and exploding dynamite into the lake, they were like, well, maybe, like, he's not in the lake and maybe he got kidnapped somehow. And they did actually find, um, because he wasn't wearing shoes at the time, so they found, like, bare footprints um, leading up towards, like, one of the railroad tracks, like, within the woods. So... Yeah, they were, obviously they were curious about that, and they kind of thought that that could lead to something, and once again, that kind of developed a theory that he might have been kidnapped, um, and so the family and authorities put out a missing person, like, a lot of missing persons flyers, um, shortly after that were he disappeared. Were there really missing persons laws back then? Like, as far as what? Like, in terms of how long they have to be missing, well, children, if they're missing for any amount of time. Yeah, I think, I think they did it after they, like, searched the lake and everything. Like, because, I mean, they had, like, a team of 500 men, like, search. Where'd they find these 500 men? (laughs) Yeah, I know. In Um, 1908 or 1912. 1912, yeah. But I think after that, they were like, okay, well, I think, like, it's time to put, you know, to put his picture out there and see if anyone has seen this kid. So... They, the missing persons flyers were posted, like, practically everywhere, um, and this case, like, was known nationwide at this point, just because it was, like... In 1912? In 1912. That's crazy. Yeah, just because it was, like, so big, and, I mean, they were obviously determined to find their son, and these people, like, had a really good reputation throughout town, so, like, Mm -hmm. everyone supported them, and they're like, we need to find their son, so... Everyone knew about this case. That's sad that people who have not as great reputations were like, fuck yeah. Oh, that's (laughs) part of this case. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, like, nationwide, everyone was, like, looking for this kid. They all knew about the case. And the flyers had a picture of Bobby and a description of him. The description included what he was wearing on the day he disappeared, as well as his physical features, of course, And then the parents even specified that Bobby had a scar on the side of his foot from when he burned himself when he was a bit younger. Okay. So the Dunbars and people around the town put together a reward of $1,000 for anyone who could return Bobby to them. 
which in nineteen twelve is a lot. That of is equivalent money. <laughs> to about twenty two thousand dollars in today's terms. Wow. So, I honestly thought it'd be more, but wow. That's still a lot, of money. a lot of money. I yeah. I would be looking like everywhere for that kid <laughs> if I saw that. The kid, I'm coming for you. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's great. That's a lot of money. So, eight months later, there was nothing. Nothing turned up within these eight months of his disappearance. Okay. But eight months later, in a town in Mississippi, a woman thought she recognized the face of a young boy. And, you know, these flyers are still around, and the case is known, and so she thought he looked like Bobby Dunbar, the picture that she saw of him on the flyers, and he was walking with a man. This man was apparently, at some points, I guess, whipping the child. Oh. Yeah. In public? Yes, in public. Whipping him with what? A whip. Okay. (laughs) I think. Mush. I never. (laughs) Mush, child. Mush. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I, I didn't get a lot of details on that, but I guess he was, like, he had a whip with him, and I guess he was occasionally hitting him with it. What the fuck? And the child actually had no shoes on, but, so, you know, she saw the flyers, and she knew that if it was Bobby Dunbar, he would have the scar on his foot, but since he, what like, was barefoot, he, his feet were, like, super dirty, so mm. she couldn't, like, see if, like, distinguish right. a scar on his foot. Fair enough. And, but of course, she still reported the scene because, you know, she thought, like, this might be the kid that they're looking for. And so she reported the, like, what she saw, and authorities um, had a man named William Cantwell Walters in custody, who was the one that was with the child. And they already had him in custody when she reported this? No, no. Once she reported it, they like got him in custody right away because they were like, well, if this is the kid, like he obviously kidnapped him. Right. So they got him in custody because he wasn't like hiding from anyone. He was just in the town. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they had the boy at this point. So the boy was safe from further harm. Mm -hmm. Further harm. (laughs) Would you like some more wine? (laughs) Would you like some wine? No. (laughs) Well, I'm going to take a sip. I'm drunk and can't talk, but I'll take a sip. It's fine. Okay. So, of course, the Dunbar family was immediately notified, and they traveled from Louisiana to Mississippi, hoping that they would be able to bring their son back to Louisiana with them. And when William Cantwell Walters was questioned, he initially gave inconsistent answers as to who the boy was and why he had the boy in the first place. He's my son. I mean, my nephew. I mean, my cousin's friend. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Shoot. I I know him somehow. I just can't tell you why right now. I'll I'll get back to you. (laughs) Yeah. Give me a day or two. Um, But he later confessed that the child was a boy named Bruce Anderson, who was the son of Julia Anderson. And Julia Anderson was William Cantwell Walter's brother's mistress. Okay. I know that's a lot of no, words at once. <laughs> I got it. Okay. It's his brother's mistress. Yes. Okay. And they had a child together, and so... Him and the, his mistress... No. His brother's his mistress... His brother and the mistress had a child together. Okay. And that's who he claimed that he had. So was, his nephew, then. Yes. And so, Julia Anderson admitted that she had let William Campbell Walters take Bruce... And watch him for a few days. However, she never gave him permission to keep him for the months that he had. <laughs> uh, 
um, please don't. <laughs> yeah. Keep my child. So, and of course, you know, this is 1912, so, like, obviously there's no technology or, like, you can't reach somebody and be like, hey, bring my son back, Can please. I have my child, please? <laughs> yeah. So. Now, why would you not want to give the child back? I watch a child and I immediately want to give it back Yeah, to I know. Especially a child that's that young. Like, you would, yeah, I just, I wouldn't want to keep them for forever. There you go. <laughs> have um, it back, please. Yeah. So, at that point in time, kidnapping was a capital offense. So, if he was charged with kidnapping, he literally could have gotten, like, the death sentence. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. The death either, penalty? Either that or life in prison. Like, it was very, I mean, it's still obviously very serious, but at I that point I think it point, depends it was, on what you're kidnapping the child for. You know, most kidnappings I mean, are parents. Yeah. Kidnapping yeah. their child, and so I feel like life in prison for that is a little dramatic. Yeah, yeah. Because they're still safe. But if you're kidnapping a child to hurt them, then yes. Life in prison. Yeah. I mean, he was whipping the kids, so, you know, that that, that can't feel good. (laughs) Back then, it probably wasn't considered child abuse. (laughs) No, but it's, I mean, you know, if kidnapping was this serious. Yeah. um, So, William Cantwell Walters continued to insist that the boy was Bruce Anderson, and news articles reported a statement that he made in which he said, I know by now you have decided. You are wrong. It is very likely I will lose my life. On account of that, and if I do, the great God will hold you accountable. So he was obviously very upset about this because he literally could have lost his life, you know, if he was charged with kidnapping this kid. That's crazy. Who he claimed he did not kidnap because he says, you know, this is like my brother's kid and the wife gave me permission to take him. Even though, but like, not, not, for for that, not for that long, but I guess it in, like, a sense it would have been better than like kidnapping this random child right. that he had no relation to. Right. So yeah, um, once again, you know, the kid was found and he was in safe hands at this point. And uh, basically, you know, the Dunbars were notified about this. And so they traveled to Mississippi where the kid was being held. And there were a lot of different accounts of the Dunbars reunion with the boy who was thought to be their son. And some of the newspapers say that the parents and Bobby immediately recognized each other, but others quote that the parents said that they were unsure if Bobby was really their son and claimed that, quote-unquote, Bobby was unresponsive and it appeared as though he did not know who the parents were or his brother. How do you not recognize your four-year-old son? By four, they have some pretty significant features. I know. Well, and that's the thing. Like, you know, if you were unsure about it, I... Especially, it was only eight months later. It's not like he disappeared for years. He's gonna look pretty much the same. Yeah, basically. And once again, you know, he didn't seem like he knew them either. And a lot of the reports claim that he was... to me. Yeah. That's fishy. Yeah. And so, a lot of the reports claim that he was kind of unresponsive to them, and it appeared that he didn't really know who they were. And apparently the next day, Lessie, the mom, was able to bathe him. And she claimed that she recognized several body markings and scars on his body. And how many scars does this poor child have? <laughs> I guess a few, apparently. <laughs> um, but once she noticed those, she like thought that it definitely was her son. So, at that point, she, like, wasn't questioning it anymore. The foot scar was there. So. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's odd, but 
once she saw, like, all of his, you know, like, scars and his freckles and everything, like, she's like, no, this has to be my son because it matches everything that he had. And so once they realized that, they took Bobby back to Louis quote-unquote Bobby, <laughs> back to Louisiana with they them. They took this poor child they've never met Whoever before. this kid is, back. yeah. They took, they took him, and once they got him back to the town, like, because, you know, of course the town was, like, rooting for this family, and they, like, threw a huge celebration, like, they threw a parade for them, like, everything. Like, it, they just were so happy about, like, this reunion of, the, like, the parents with their child. And it was, like, this reunion, of course, was heard about, like, all over the country. So, it was a really big ordeal. And meanwhile, Julia Anderson is over here. Like, still, that's my fucking kid. Still convinced that this is her son. And she was so convinced that she traveled to Louisiana. And the Dunbars, like, allowed her to visit the boy and so, he interacted with her a lot like he initially interacted with the Dunbars. Like, he was just kind of unresponsive. Like, he didn't really... I'm so fucking stressed by this. Yeah, it's insane. Like, it's so weird. And so, he didn't really, like, respond to her. Like, he didn't act like he knew her. Which, of course, he did the same thing with the Dunbars in the right. first place. And she also said that she was unsure about whether he was her son or not. <laughs> Why do these people this, not know This is probably just like, like a random kid, and he's like, I don't know who the fuck my he parents are. Either, yeah. God. So how do you not know what your own kid looks? I like? I know, I know. So the next day, she undressed him, and she became more confident that he was her son, <laughs> and not Bobby Dunbar. So, unfortunately, so the word had already spread that she was uncertain, because on the first day, she was like, I don't know if that's actually my kid. And so, a lot of people, like, throughout the town reported that she didn't know if it was her son, and, like, newspapers were already being written about it, and they weren't very kind to her, in all honesty, and they claimed, like, so they talked about her, like, uncertainness about, like, if he was the son, her son, and then they also talked about how she had loose morals. So basically just, I mean, completely... So basically just slut-shaming the shit out of her. Yeah, yeah. Well, and way. once again, I mean, it was 1912, so of course, you know, every, anything that... I don't care, fuck them all. No, it's obviously not appropriate regardless, but they kind of looked into her past and judged her for it. So, yeah, quote-unquote loose morals. Um, she did have three children out of wedlock from two different men. Oh, God. Which, out of, of course, wedlock? at the time was extremely scandalous. Oh. And oh. there were also rumors of her being a prostitute. I wasn't able to figure out if this was actually true or not. But it's probably But I think false. it was probably just them, like, building up on what they already had. Like, she has loose morals. She's a sex worker. She's She <laughs> yeah. doesn't know who her kid is. These people didn't recognize that kid at first either, but, you know. But they're rich. But they're fine. They're rich. And, yeah. So, it was... Oh, that's so deeply upsetting. And yeah. Angry. No, I feel so bad for this woman. And so, it was clear that most of the country was not on her side, obviously, because, like, the word had spread so fast. And so, she returned home without a son. And <laughs> during the trial, because, of course, there was a trial, you know, because it's not, like, a sure thing that this boy belongs to. <laughs> like, they don't know who this boy belongs to, honestly. But the Dunbars have him at this point. 
but she argued her case and she was hoping that she would be able to convince the courts that the boy was her son and several people who lived in Mississippi Mississippi? <laughs> and my yeah. SSI, SSI, SSI. <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes, right? <laughs> and several people who lived in Mississippi also... Nope. <laughs> also claimed that the boy that was with William Cantwell Walters was seen... Like, they were seen with each other before Bobby was ever, like, declared missing. So... I don't think that's Bobby. No. <laughs> and that's the thing, like, and these people even said, like, we saw this guy with him before, like, anyone ever reported Bobby to be missing. Yeah. So, but, of course, because, you know, Julia had this, like, terrible reputation and she wasn't, you know, well off, like, the Dunbars, the courts ruled against her and the <sighs> Dunbars were able to keep Bobby. I hate society. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. I know this is 1912, but believe it or not, this shit still fucking happens. It does. <laughs> So, yeah, basically, I mean, like I said, the courts rule against her, and Bobby is raised by the Dunbars, and he lives his whole life thinking that he's Bobby Dunbar. He's like, my name's not Bobby. <laughs> but, I mean, he he is convinced, though, that he is, just because, yeah. I mean, you know, like... You're raised. He, that's all Bobby. he knows. That's all yeah, he knows. I'm sure he doesn't remember any of that. No. So. so, and that's all he knows, and, of course, like, he goes on to have kids, and so, this happened recently, because, I mean, this case is, like, over 100 years old now. Yeah. But, recently, his, Bobby's granddaughter, Margaret Dunbar Cutright, grew up knowing about her grandfather's, like, crazy story, and she read, like, a bunch of articles about it, and she basically became obsessed with finding out, like, the facts, because she just, like... She didn't believe everything that she read, and so yeah. she was really curious right. about what, like, the truth was. Right. And one reporter even claimed that Margaret went on an obsessive quest to small-town libraries, archives, and courthouses all over the South just to find, like, to figure out the facts and to figure out who her grandfather was. Did she figure it out? <laughs> um, she did, in a way. In a way. Oh. <laughs> so, in 2003, Margaret's father, who was Bob Dunbar Jr., the son of Bobby Dunbar, mm -hmm. agreed, finally agreed to give a sample of his DNA to the lab in order to get the answer to the, a lifetime of questions, yeah. basically. And his DNA was compared to that of his cousin, Alonzo Dunbar's son, which, of course, was the brother of Bobby Dunbar. Right. And the results... Not a match. Shocker. <laughs> oh, that's so, so sad. Oh it's my so God. sad. So, of course, the entire Dunbar family that's still alive, I mean, they were really shocked. And a lot of them actually were really mad at Margaret for even, like, researching this and, like, having the DNA test conducted. Come and, on. At least you know. Which, exactly. But, and, and, and all of them were like, know, what good can come of this? Like, um, the fucking truth. What are you talking yeah. about? Like, and... You know, if there were any cousins that hooked up there, mm -hmm. like, they're probably relieved. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank God we're not actually For related. sure. <laughs> so, yeah, it was not a match. Um, unfortunately, which, this is very frustrating to me, but no one from Julia Anderson's family has ever come forward to test their DNA. However, it's, I mean, more than likely that this boy was Julie Anderson's son. That is honestly son. the saddest thing I've ever heard. So I'm depressed. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Of course, the Anderson family that, you know, is still alive was happy to hear the DNA results because it kind of confirmed what they believed to be true for their lifetimes. Right. That basically this kid was kidnapped from their family. Yeah. And just he never... literally was. He was legally kidnapped yeah. from them. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's the story of Bobby Dunbar. And the craziest thing is... Actual Bobby Dunbar is gone, and we have no idea what happened to him. And so most, I mean, there's really not that many theories, to be honest, but one of the theories, like, obviously he was just kidnapped by somebody random, Mm -hmm. or he actually did, like, drown in the lake, or or get eaten by an animal, or wandered off. Wandered off and died of exposure and got Mm -hmm. eaten by an animal. Yeah. But either way, that's crazy, and... This guy lived his entire life, like, thinking he was one person when he was actually, he belonged to an entirely different family. Oh, my God. So. Well, thank you for deeply depressing me. (laughs) It's a sad case, (laughs) honestly. It's really sad, but. So, like I said, it's like, like, everyone thought it was solved for the longest time, and then, like, all of this new information came up, and it's like, nope. (laughs) Just (laughs) kidding. (laughs) Yeah, like, you don't know what you're talking about. It's obviously not. People actually kidnapped a child from a completely innocent Mm -hmm. woman. Yeah. So, which is, yeah, it's so sad. And, of course, you know, this poor little boy, when he was young, he's like, I don't know what to believe or, like, what to think. He's only four years old. And, you know, of course, he was persuaded to think, okay, this is who I am now. Like, this is my family, and this is, like, the life I'm going to live. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, good one. Thank you. That was a really good one. (laughs) Yeah, I really liked this case. Like I said, it's a lot different from any of the other cases, but I think it's really intriguing. So Yeah, I liked it a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> okay, well, um, we'll plug our social media again. It's yes. at IAKF Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Email your theories, suggestions, wine, or cases, anything you would like to it's all kind of fuzzy at gmail.com. And? And a special thanks to Grimbeard Productions, which once again he created our introduction song, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. We definitely could not have done it without <laughs> him. So thank you. Um, thank he you. also has a Facebook if you guys want to look him up. He's amazing. So, yeah. Um, yep. Thank you guys once again for listening. And we'll see you next week. Yeah. In the meantime, it's all kind of fuzzy.